This is the Stories of Asia podcast, sharing deep insights on career and personal development through stories from people all over Asia. This episode is proudly sponsored by Diageo Southeast Asia. Today, our host Sam Neo talks to Ms. Preeti Rastan. She's the managing director of Diageo Southeast Asia and is currently based in Singapore. Listen as they talk about how she grew her career from being just a finance manager to becoming the MD of Diageo Southeast Asia today with her unique way of thinking and how she overcame the odds when working in a male-dominated industry. Okay, good morning, Preeti. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. How are you? All good, all good. Really excited to have you on the show today. So thanks a lot for taking time off to join us for the Stories of Asia podcast. So before we begin, right, do you mind sharing with our audience who you are, a bit of your background, and perhaps the company that you work for? I'm Preeti Razdan. I'm the Managing Director for Southeast Asia for the Diageo business. So I'm very proud to be working for Diageo, a company you know that believes in making, uh, in celebrating life uh, every day, everywhere. And with our wonderful products uh, like Johnny Walker, Guinness, Tanqueray, I think uh, we serve that purpose very well. Nice, nice. So you mentioned that you're currently the Managing Director of Diageo Service Asia. Of course, you know, that's the enviable position that a lot of corporate people want to reach at the apex, basically at the Southeast Asia level. But before that, I think what would be interesting, right, is to explore your origins story, right? So how was it like at the very beginning when you were first fresh out of school? You know, I believe back then you were in India as a finance manager. How was it like for you back then? Quite interesting. And maybe I'll start with a little bit of my background as to how I grew up, which really kind of shaped my thinking. Hmm. Um, And having come from an army background, my dad is from the army and my mom has been a principal in a college. So I think I I grew up, uh, you know, with full freedom to do what I wanted to do. Um, So that's been one of the things that's kind of shaped me in many ways on uh, uh, it's up to you what you want to do. And I think the second thing is having grown up in India, uh, you know, you kind of want to win because you're competing with 10,000 people or 100,000 people for every seat that you have to get in, whether it's school, college, um, you know, or, or a job. So I think uh, that whole spirit of uh, survival is very well uh, embedded. So as I got into the career um, early on, I think that's where uh, was very helpful for me to say I can do what I want and the mindset of, you know, um, you know, you gotta you gotta be the best at what you do because that's how you succeed. So um, you know, early on, um, as I reflect back, I didn't think of it much then, but it definitely was a boys' club uh, when I joined, uh, and my first uh, job was at Procter and Gamble. So while the company meant very well, but it is an environment that you grew up in. Uh, but I think having come from the background I did, you know, um, it didn't really affect me in my approach to things because for me, what was important was the confidence that I can do it. And the second thing was that I got to be the best at what I can. So it was more inward looking than focused on the outside, which I think was very helpful. Wow, it's interesting. I mean, let's explore this a little bit. So you mentioned that your dad is in the military, your mom's a principal. Naturally, when I think about military and principal, it comes with strict regimes. And you mentioned that they give you a lot of freedom. Tell me more about that. It's quite interesting. How do they give you that freedom despite the, the nature of the job where it's more discipline, it's more strict in that sense. I'm just curious, actually. Yeah, no, I think it, there was never a difference between me and my brother as siblings to say, you're a girl and hence you should be, you know, uh, any less. So, yeah. and I think from my mom, uh, in some ways, um, you know, 
where she actually is quite a role model for me because as I was growing mm-hmm. up, she actually, you know, had two of us, me and my brother. And uh, after having us, she did her PhD in seismology. So she is quite the, you know, uh, <laughs> the person to to want it all and to do it all, actually, with not a whole lot of support, actually, in those days. Um, and, you know, um, she's a she's a great cook. She stitches, she knits uh, and she has a good sense of humor. So in some ways, I think there was a big role model on uh, and she's actually, a, you know, calm through all of this for which, you know, which kind of tells you that capacity is, uh, you know, limited by you and actually not somebody mm-hmm. outside. So in the end, and I guess the freedom to say, you know, uh, you should you should go for whatever you like. Um, so I think while the discipline was there to say, you know, there are limits, but I think within that, the whole idea of uh, personal confidence was boosted from the beginning for me. So you mentioned that, you know, your first job in Procter & Gamble is a male dominant kind of, you know, a boys club in your words, essentially. So when you first started out, you know, um, were there any challenges that you faced? Um, what were some of the key milestones that you have between the early stage of your career to the middle management level? I think that was, that's probably one milestone that most people think about, right? From fresh out school, how do you proceed to the middle management level itself? Take us through that a little bit. Um, thinking about that journey, I think it was, for me, I was not, you know, um, very kind of joined up on saying I need to do A, B and C. For me, it was, I was early in my career and the biggest thing for me was, can I learn the most, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, I was not hung up. You know, a lot of my colleagues were very hung up on which is the next assignment they want. Okay. And actually for me, what was interesting was I like to take the low road less travels. So for me, being different is actually better because that's how you stand out. So if I was one of the fewer early managers or younger leaders who was growing fast was and, and it, with all the men around me, actually, that was more fun because then in some ways, uh, you know, you can show how different you are. So for me, being different is actually more fun. And it, in some ways, it also allows you to do things that have not been done before. Now, having been in finance, it's interesting, you know, when I talk of what the total shareholder return is, that has never changed. You know, as mm. every company, you're trying to sell more, spend less, collect faster. That's all everybody does. It's <laughs> the how that truly matters. And for me, that's the how that you bring in. And I think I did assignments that were very, call it offbeat, uh, you know, if you say traditionally. And the surprise element of you doing in well, there actually puts you in a place where you stand better off than anybody else. So for me, that's been the you know journey early on. I did assignments that were not standardly known as the assignments to be, but actually I grew faster because I did those. I like that. I mean, it resonates with my early career as well, because when I first started out as an entrepreneur, right, most people say that, hey, as a consultant, as a speaker, you're so young, you know, you don't even have like gray hair and stuff like that. But like you said, because of that, that, you know, people having lesser expectation of you, right? You stand out a lot more if you're able to deliver at the level you believe you can deliver. Right. So I, I really believe in that. So, so thanks a lot for sharing that, Preeti. Um, with that in mind, you know, what were some things that helped you, right? Move along the career. Obviously, you mentioned that your focus was to take the road less traveled, was to focus on learning instead of the next assignment. What were things that helped you if you kind of look back, kind of the key success factor or key building blocks, essentially, right? That helped you at the early stage of your career compared to some of your peers, perhaps. Yeah. Um, I think in some ways, you know, uh, when you're growing through these assignments, I think we, you know, having been in finance and I think in PNG, mm-hmm. what was helpful was that you're 
you know, you're trained in many ways in depth. For me, what was different was really about, I did not limit myself to finance as a function. Because learning and growing being the core mindset, I think for me, you know, every role that I did, I did broader than finance. Because that's where you were able to join the dots. You were kind of able to bring in together more than what you were totally responsible for. Mm. And I think that's where you'll see, you know, as I've evolved through my career, when I was doing product supply finance, I was also, you know, I became more product supply than product supply finance. And I, you know, for example, I did Asia supply network design, which has nothing to do with finance. So it's kind of, you know, if I were to do commercial finance, I'd get more commercial. You know, I have done roles of a GM while being in a category. So I think for me, each step of the way, it was, I, so, I, you know, I've always thought of myself as a business person first who comes mm. with a financial acumen. I think that has been the key to, you know, to demonstrating way more than what you're actually expected to in some ways. But also it's very fulfilling for me because that quest for learning and seeing how this whole thing comes together, uh, I think has really helped me through the journey. Has, did anyone shape this kind of thinking? Because naturally, right, for most fresh out of school, they'll be thinking, hey, I'm here to just, you know, do my job. I want to shine. I want to get promotion. I want to move up the apex. So let's say I'm finance. I want to be a CFO. You know, I'm HR. I'm going to CHR, for example. So this thinking, I mean, from a HR perspective, it's very pleasant to the years because we always talk about the T-shaped professional, having the breath, having the depth, which is very important. But most people won't start with that thinking. So for you, right, was there anyone or anything that helped to shape that thinking? Was it always the way that you thinking i mean just curious actually i think um, you know in png one of the things that was being that was kind of drilled and drummed into us was leadership as a concept mm. and i think to be a leader you know you need to know enough to be able to bring the bigger picture together to create a vision and i think to me that was very inspiring as a thought of you know function doesn't remit you if you have to be a leader anybody can be a leader and for me that dimension of leadership is to say, how can you make somebody believe in something you want to do unless you know, you know, broader than that? And, and how can you create a picture that becomes exciting for others to believe in? So I think that probably was a big one, uh, which helped. Since we're on a topic of leadership, right, Preeti? So help me understand, based on your definition, right, what differentiates a great leader and a good leader? Is there anything that comes to mind for you? Um. You know, there's a, there's a leadership model that I have kind of grown with it, you know, in a mm-hmm. way that uh, it's probably called the 5E model. You may be familiar with it. Um, it's about your ability to envision, your ability to engage, your ability to energize, your ability to enable and your ability to execute. Right. Mm-hmm. So to me that, you know, those are five E's that have stood by. Um, and I think some of the things that help become a good leader is actually uh, getting to win, you know, your team to win. Because ultimately, as a leader, it's not individual, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, and, and that's where, you know, I have uh, a big belief that you, you don't win as an individual. You win with a team. You win, you know, when you have a common purpose and everybody's going towards it. It's the common purpose you're working for. So the leader is not leading for people to follow himself or herself. It's for that common purpose. So there is a larger purpose than you in in that game. And the second one is really, uh, people have to win through the journey as much because that's what is motivating, exciting for everyone to be a part of. So as a leader, if you can create that energy, you can create that vision, 
and actually, you know, actually delegate as much, you know, based on where people are ready to take it. But for me, when I have grown is when I got the opportunity to do what I wasn't meant to do, right, in some ways. So to go the level up. And I think one of the things that one of my mentors told me was, if you want to get to the next level, behave the next level. So I think for me and, and for, for a leader to grow, you need to let your team grow as much, un, you know, with you or, you know, in fact, without you is where uh, truly, you know, you, you deliver the best both on business and on people. You mentioned an important point, which is mentor. I think a lot of people, at least at the early stage or mid-career wise, um, have no concept of mentorship or don't know where to find a mentor, right? And you mentioned that a mentor guided you in terms of leadership style, your mindset. Tell us more about your mentor, right? How, how did you meet him or her? Um, what were some advices that, you know, he or she provided you with that shaped your thinking and your career journey itself? Actually, I have many mentors. It's not mm-hmm. one, two or whatever. And I think as I have grown, I have found the value of mentors a lot more than I used to. Absolutely. Like you said early on. And I thought it was a miss that I didn't start early, mm-hmm. you know, because initially when you think, especially as a female, somehow you feel networking is being overly, you know, political or being savvy in that way. It does not sit well with you to say, oh, you're going out because you want to further your career. But I think over a period of time, I've realized that mentoring is the best gift you can give yourself. And it's up to you how you leverage it, because, you know, these are people who will share what's they're your best well-wishers with no judgment. And they shape you in ways that, you know, is very subtle, but it sits with you because you trust them. Mm. Right. So I think having mentors and, and again, I think one thing that I have done a lot more when I got more senior is I take a lot of coaching. Because that, I think what's important to keep learning is the humility to know that you don't know a whole lot, (laughs) right? So for me, that's been a constant thing of, um, you know, somebody else looking at me and shaping, helping shape me. I know what I want, but it's, it's really guiding you through it and kind of steering you through it, which is super helpful, actually. I love how humble your mindset is, you know, despite being the MD, you're constantly thinking that I'm still a work in progress. I still need to learn. I still need help in some sense. It reminds me of a short story where a friend of mine, right, who's the head of human resources, and he's always joking that, hey, I'm the HR intern. He always says that. So I was like laughing at him. like, well, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to like tease us, troll us or what? So he said, no. He said, every single time I introduce myself as a HR intern, I'm trying to tell people that, no, I'm still a work in progress. I'm still here to learn because once you have the mindset that you are senior leader, a lot of times people stop learning. That's and I totally resonate with what you say. So I think that's really important. In fact, so, one of the things I'm, you know, I mentioned as I got into this role as managing director, I, you know, uh, was I'm sure I'm going to make a lot of mistakes. I just hope they're cheap and fast. <laughs> you know, so uh, you know, you learn fast enough, and then you get on with it because mistakes will happen. I think that's a given in some ways. I like to backtrack a little bit on the point of mentorship, right? So pretty mentioned that having mentors is instrumental to your growth, your success, and having multiple mentors, in fact, is important. You also highlighted that, you know, networking at times for females, that could be a bit of stigma in terms of the impression you create. So how do you, during the networking session itself or while engaging certain people whom you want to be a mentor, right? Um, how do you approach that? You know, how do you make yourself be at ease with that? How do you approach in a way where, it's okay, you know, to kind of reach out to these people. Any advice for people out there? I think you should start being, you know, using mentors or, or having mentors with the people you know. And normally, okay. you know, your previous managers are your best mentors. 
um, you know, and hopefully you've developed a good relationship with them over that. <laughs> you say previous managers, not current yeah. managers. Yeah, because current managers are managing you any which way. And, you know, it's more their direct responsibility to coach you. But that relationship is different. Mentoring is beyond, you know, while your managers always help you, coach you, guide you, mentors are people who are actually not your managers. And that's what gives you the degree of freedom. And I think, you know, one of my, you know, things that I believe in strongly is there are more people out there who want to genuinely help you in more ways than you acknowledge. So for me, you know, I have never found anyone that you have approached who's not wanting to help. It's a matter of asking. So I think holding yourself back or thinking that you're not going to get what you want is the biggest thing that holds you back. Actually, everybody, you know, more people than not want to help you. You know, I'll share a simple story. Um, and this was, you know, in terms of one of the beliefs that has helped me throughout is having a strong support system. Mm. Um, and this was a time, uh, you know, early on where, uh, you know, we had a, a, a global uh, leader coming to our patch. I was the regional finance director. And uh, it so happened. And so it was an important visit because he had just joined uh, the role. And so we were supposed to bring him through the Asia strategy. And it also happened to be the day, you know, we were also chosen as a team who had done great NRM work. So we were supposed to showcase that to the global CFO. So, you know, it was all in good space. And it also happened to be my youngest child's first birthday. Right. And it was all within those two days that was meant to happen. So it can you, you can kind of kill yourself saying, oh, my God, what am I going to do? right? And what should I leave? And, you know, I want to be, this is an opportunity to shine. This is an opportunity to showcase the good work we've done. But my first child's first, you know, my child's first birthday is going to only come once. Right? So course, I cannot yeah. miss that either. And and so instead of keeping that to myself, I went to my managers and I said, you know, both the finance and the MD. And I said, you know, this is the case. I will work on it. Um, I'll do all of it. I'll travel for one day, but I can't stay the two days because the second day is my son's birthday actually for showcasing to the global CFO, my team is very capable. So I asked my team, I said, you can present, you've done the work. I don't need to be there because it's the good work of the entire team. While I'd love to be a part of that, you know, um, sharing of the story and, and you know, uh, uh, getting the kudos, but really, you know, it, it nothing is going to change because the intent will be well met. And so I, I traveled for a day to Japan. I took the flight, last flight out the next day. Uh, my, you know, the global visit went well, uh, the showcase with the CFO went well, and I was back at home uh, with my child celebrating the first birthday. But if I hadn't asked for that help, nobody would have known. And actually, nobody even batted an eyelid when I asked for that. They said, of course, you should. I like the fact that you're sharing that, you know, it's about asking. Sometimes it's all in the mind that's stopping you from the progress, from getting that help that we often think that people may not want to help. But in fact, there are plenty of help out there, like you said, right? Whether it's your managers, potential mentors, even. You mentioned a very interesting point about your child. I think that's something I resonate with because I have a child that's 30 months old now. Um, so for you at a senior level, how do you balance between your family and of course now the work that you have which is I believe pretty heavy you know since it's at the regional level and you're heading up the business so tell us more about that as well well we have three children you know our fun story is my my husband is a senior partner with a consulting firm so we used to call ourselves uh, you know weekend partners uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we still have three kids so fairly productive partners as we are and uh, so that did not stop us from <laughs> going through uh, through that. And and we like, you know, it's been our thing of, you know, we like kids, we like big family. In fact, our, my in-laws stay with us. 
um okay. as well so you know uh, it's it's uh, it's that big fat happy you know indian family that we have uh and yes it is it does come with um a whole lot of stuff to do you know in one way i kind of i believe that work expands to time allotted has been my permanent you know thinking so if you have a thing to do you will spend all of that time in it i was very busy when i was single i was busy when i got married i'm very busy when i have kids the 24 hours haven't changed so i think it's about how you manage how you prioritize so for me i think it's about where uh, you know the biggest thing that has enabled me through this is what i call freedom within framework okay. right um and uh, you know a simple story you know what i would share is uh you know when for example i was i was uh having these three kids who were very young i was asked to lead as a general manager right mm-hmm. in that time and i remember my you know my youngest was only you know one one and a half and my oldest was seven so i had three kids below seven so it was quite intense and i think at that age i think the fun part is that all the kids need is you know the school was like you know center time storytelling and then playing which was quite <laughs> relatively easy so you know their health was the big concern in my mind of and you know i am a mother who would love to to take care of the kids you know every day uh but i think you know and i i did spend that initial time of saying i'm going to make a you know menu every day for every meal every recipe wow. um and i went through that and again it's exhausting Mm-hmm. right and and my helpers were not very happy because i was so kind of osy on it to say okay this is what i want <laughs> to get done okay. and it takes time and effort but i said what is really important is they get the right nutrition so if i tell my helper mm. you got to make a chicken a fish and a you know an egg and whatever over a period of 4 days or 5 days and and you choose what you want to cook but you know that you have to do each of these one day and you need to have mm-hmm. a soup and a yogurt every meal right so there's a lot of freedom for them but i have kind of created the framework of what i want to get done and that's what i do at work as well is to say you know if i am doing my people's job they can't grow and i can't grow right so for me it's all about but the framework is important as well because that's as a leader my vision of how i want to get things done right so if that is done well ahead then everybody moves with full freedom and i have more time to do what i want to do and the second other principle for me that you know i i totally kind of live with is uh not taking the guilt you know i have made the choice to work and i am actually happy i work is not something that is painful for me to do i i am excited with work it fulfills you know my purpose in life in many ways and i have chosen to be a mother of three it was not something that were forced to me either so i have made the choice and i will do the best i can i don't need to you know be on a guilt trip permanently So I'm not sorry for the choices I make. I take the support that's needed. Um and I prioritize on what's important. So I you know I have never missed um you know uh, any field trip for any of my kids. Mm. Because I think nobody else can do that role but me. Mm-hmm. Right? So I you know that's the role I would do. But do I have to go drop my kids to a Kumon class? I don't think I'm adding any value there at all. <laughs> It's 3 <three laughs> hours gone. I don't do it. So that's how I pick and choose. Okay. So before we conclude the session today, a lot of great stories, a lot of good nugget of wisdoms, you know, some of the key things you mentioned were like the mindset, right? Not being afraid to reach out. I love the part about freedom within framework itself, something that I definitely adopt as well. I think it's really cool. Not being succumbed to the guilt that you mentioned as well. Maybe before we end, right? 
um, for our audience out there, for those who are thinking of how can they grow their career, whether it's from the entry level to middle management or middle management to a senior level, maybe any one final piece of advice they can give them so that they can take away from today's session. I think while you're on this journey and you're doing everything, don't forget to love yourself. Mm. You know, I always believe in the airline rule of, uh, you know, you got to wear your mask yeah. yourself first <laughs> before you uh, help others. I think that's one of the more important things because in this whole journey, your personal well-being, your mental well-being, which comes with physical, spiritual, all of that well-being is very, very critical. So if you are healthy yourself, you have the energy to do everything else. So, you know, you should be to yourself what you would be to your best friend is to be nice and kind. You know, a lot of times women take it so hard on themselves that, you know, they owe it to everybody else. But I think if we think we owe it to ourselves, life will be a lot easier. Before you love others, love yourself. Thank you so much, Preeti. It was a pleasure chatting with you. And thanks once again for your time to share all the stories, all the wisdom. I believe our audience will take away many useful tips from this session itself. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Stories of Asia podcast. Be sure to follow us at the handle Stories of Asia Co. That's Stories of Asia Co. Also, don't forget to follow our founder, Sam Neo on LinkedIn for more career tips and insights as well. Check out the podcast description for the links. Thanks, and we'll see you in the next episode.